in the entertainment industry, sometimes you become obsessed with what fans think of you. Do fans adore me? Do they love me? Do I have a lot of followers? Do I have a lot of attention? It can kind of drive you nuts when you make your value and worth based on how obsessed or how well-liked you are by other people. Mm-hmm. It can only give you so much. Welcome everyone to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Our guest today is David Archuleta, which I'm super, super excited about this. I have been wanting to pick your brain since the first time that I met you. Actually, before (laughs) that, but then I did meet you. And so we met... um, through church, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think at the time. And um, so I have some questions for you. And then just for people who don't know who you are, uh, you came in what second place in American Idol in 2008? Yeah. Back in the day, 12 years ago. That's been 12 years ago. 12 years ago this month. Yeah. May. I mean, or whenever this. Oh, really? Is this month? Whenever this uploads (laughs) this podcast. Oh, that's cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so you came in second place. What was your mindset going into into that? Did you feel like, you know what, I got everything it takes? Or was this like nerve-wracking for you? Oh, yeah. You know, I grew up singing. I like to sing. I I got an interest in singing when I was six, like six years old. My dad was into musicals. My mom liked to sing and dance as well. My dad played jazz trumpet as well. But we were moving to Utah from Florida because I was born in Miami, Florida. And we were moving to Utah. And to keep us kids busy, my dad put in a Les Miserables tape, the musical Les Miserables, 10th anniversary. And I just became obsessed with it. I don't, I don't know why. I didn't know what the story was exactly, but I loved the melodies. And I loved hearing the, the orchestrations and stuff. And so I, I would pretend that I was in the cast and uh, just start singing. And my parents got really amused by it. And they just be like, they throw like more musicals in front of me, like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat or Evita or Into the Woods. And my mom would like start teaching me these Selena songs, Selena, uh, Texan, American, a Mexican, uh, what's the word? Tex-Mex, <laughs> Tejano artist yeah. is the Spanish word to say it. But, and I started learning those, but I did not want to sing in front of other people. My parents, they would sing at a Mexican restaurant and they'd say, David, come sing with us. I was like, no, no, I don't want to. The way they'd get me to go sing is they'd be like, if you go, you can order anything you want off the menu, which we didn't, we didn't go eat out that often and to restaurants and stuff. So I was like, I could order whatever I want. So it wasn't music and being on stage that got me in front of people. It was my passion and love for eating food that got <laughs> I love that. And coaxing from my parents. But, <laughs> so, which I still love eating. You, you know, we, well, yeah. the last time I saw you, went, we went and got, what was it, ramen? Ramen, yeah. Man, that's been a while, man. It's been a while since. That's been, that has to be like two years ago. It was before I went to Montana, I think. When did you go to Montana? When did you go to Montana? 2018. 
How long were you there for, I was there for uh, a, well, a month or two. I think I remember you uh, talking about so, Yeah. Yeah. What, so who was the most influential person in your childhood to you? To me? Well, probably my parents. Or are you talking musically? Not even just musically. Like who inspired you that you would say is the biggest inspiration for who you are today? who I am today. I mean, if I'm thinking back to when I was a kid, definitely my parents because, and I'll tell, I'll say why, because, you know, all, you know, parents raise us and all that, but I had a really, really hard time accepting that I could decently do anything in my life, including music. I didn't think I was good at it. I liked to sing, but I didn't think my voice was worth listening to by other people. And so my parents really pushed me and I resented them a lot for that. I felt like this victim, like this poor me, like, how could you do this to me? You know, you're making me do these things that I don't want to do, which was singing in front of people and learning like more songs. And stuff. I mean, I liked learning songs, but I just didn't, the thought of having to sing them in front of other people, I just didn't enjoy. And so my parents, I really owe a lot to them because they dealt with me really not liking a lot of what they were doing and teaching me how to perform. And like, I'm like, I just like to sing. I don't care about how I look performing a whole lot and stuff. I was like, I just like to sing. And, and I was like, no, I'm scared of singing in front of people because I'm inconveniencing them. Yeah. My nine or 10 year old mind, I was like, I'm inconveniencing anybody who would have to listen to me. So don't make me do this. Don't make them have to go through it. And then like they put me through this competition, this, the, this Utah talent competition. I was in the kids division. And, uh, my dad, he would tell me, he'd say, he's like, remember when you would tell me, just like, I would say to him, just, you know, you're making me do this. <laughs> like, how dare you? Like, you're making me do this. You're forcing me to do something I don't want to do. And there may not even be food at the end of every one of them. Right. There, yeah, <laughs> there wasn't. <laughs> But um, as a 10-year-old in this talent competition, I had a panic attack before I went on stage. And it was my first time having a like panic attack. And everyone in backstage was like, you don't have to go if you don't want to. And the competition was held by this church. It was this black, I don't know if it was Baptist. I don't think, I feel like, it, I want to say it's Baptist, but I don't want to yeah. be wrong. But the audience was all just, they loved soul music. And I love soul music. And I sang I Will Always Love You because I had a soprano voice when I was 10. And um, my dad, while I was panicking and hyperventilating backstage, he said, hey, David, why don't we say a prayer? And so he took me into the back room and we said a prayer together. And he was like, how do you feel? Like, how are you okay? And I was like, I think I can do this. So I, I, uh, I was like, for like just enough time, I had calmed down enough that I was able to go back up on the stage when it was time for me to go. I sang my song and the audience was really responsive and they were all up on their feet and clapping and stuff, which was really, really made me feel good. That Not that I'm like, all right, I'm awesome, but it was just the fact to see that I sang and I, for some reason in my head, I always thought people were going to be like, oh, oh. 
do I have to listen to this? Like, I don't, it's just what I imagine because I'm like, that's how I feel when I listen back to my voice. If my parents recorded me, I didn't like hearing it. So I was like, why would anyone else like it? But it made me so happy to know that they enjoyed what I did. That I, yeah. I loved singing and they enjoyed it so much. It made me feel really good. And afterwards, my dad was filming me and he's, and I, had, I won the kids division and he's like, so, and I had the little trophy and my dad was filming me. He's like, so are you still mad at me that I asked you? And I kind of was, cause I was like, I was like, I still didn't want to do this, but it made me think a lot. It made me think, I mean, I, I didn't care about winning. So it was like, you know, it's, it wasn't a big deal for me about winning. What was more the reward was that I wasn't booed off the stage. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would you give if you could go back to so say that 10 year old child, or like if there's another 10 year old child out there struggling with uh, maybe what they love to do, but they feel like someone's not going to appreciate it. What advice would you give yourself? Uh, for other 10 year olds or like 10 year old me. Uh with what you know now, what would you tell yourself back then? Well, I would tell myself that I worry a lot about all sorts of things. So I would say, David, little 10-year-old David, it's okay that you worry about a lot of things. You're worried that things might go wrong or people won't like you or you'll inconvenience them or you'll annoy them. But... David, something you should know is from 20, I'm 29 now. So I'd say 29 year old David still worries a lot. So sometimes David worries about things that end up not being a problem and they don't end up being something as big of a deal that you think they might be. Not that that helps me. It doesn't help me to say it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't help me <laughs> telling myself, but saying, even though you're going to worry about a lot of things, things are going to be okay. And you're going to be able to do a lot of really great things. And you're going to be able to do a lot of things for other people that you don't, and it's okay that you're still going to be worried about a lot of things and still nervous. And you're still going to be self-conscious. That's not going to get in the way of the good things you're going to get to do in your life. And so I think that's probably what I would tell myself because 10-year-old me and even me now, 29-year-old me thinks, because I'm so worried about things, I'm not going to be able to do anything. Because I'm too nervous, because I'm too scared, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. My fear, I can't get rid of my fear ever. It's always there. So that must mean that I'm already a failure because courageous people and successful people don't have fears, do they? Is what I would always imagine. It's like, well, one day I will be fearless and then I will succeed. Actually, I take that back. That'll never happen because 29 years of life, I've, I'm still scared. So that's okay. Fear is an okay thing to have. I've always had it, but I've still been able to look back and say, wow, those are some awesome things I've gotten to do in my life. And I was still nervous and still had the fears, but I was able to move through them anyway. Instead of using them as an excuse, you, you push through or like as the example you gave when you were having the little panic attack, like with prayer and whatever else that got you through, you just, you faced it. I think that's, that's amazing. I think everyone struggles with fear. I mean, to some extent, I, I know I do. 
I use it as a machine to push me, but it still can grab you and kind of hold you back. I think if you let it grab you too much. And so you went from that to, you got on American Idol, obviously. You get second place. You released a couple songs. Uh, wasn't Crush a number one? Well, um, it wasn't on digitals. It was on, back then they had like, I don't know how it is now. Back then they had digital sales. Mm -hmm. So it went number one on digital sales. But on the Hot 100, it went to number two, which was it's amazing. surprising to me as well. <laughs> I, I, I remember I was on the American Idol tour because that song came out while I was still involved with the tour that followed after the show with all the other top 10 contestants. And I was in Florida and one of my fans just came up to me and they're like, hey, did you know that your song is number two on the charts? I was like, what? Because I didn't know. I didn't hear anything. They're like, yeah. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? Like, what charts? And they're like, like <laughs> the Hot 100 of America on Billboard. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, no. And here's the thing. I'm a charts nerd. Like, other people read, like, Harry Potter and were into – sports and other things. I was into music billboard chart books mm -hmm. and I would study them. So like, it was like my world of like looking at the charts. So to think, wait a second, I'm on the charts now. Like, wait, that, that does, that can't be, that's like, I don't know, Harry Potter world or Disney world or Disneyland for people. Like mm -hmm. the charts were, I don't know, <laughs> my imaginary mm -hmm. fantasy land. And now I was there. It was like, this is not real, but, yeah, it was it was a crazy time. Yeah, so you had that and you went on to what? You won like three or four teen choice awards and multiple other awards. So like when that's all happening, is there any time that that you're like freaking out in the back somewhere saying, "Who's this kid?" Or 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 did you feel like like you just grew and developed into that person? That's actually kind of funny uh, way to say it because I think for me, you know, when I was started attending these events that I had watched myself and I was suddenly like with people that I was watching and listening to their music, suddenly I was like in the same room as them and they'd come and like say hi. And I'm just like, what? They know who you so, are. Yeah. It was so weird. Cause it's like, it happens so quickly too. And the thing was American Idol, it just kind of like, it's just like this catapult. Like you're here on the ground and you don't realize that it's like the second that they chop it, it just goes, yeah. flings yeah. you into the air. I'm like, wait, hold up, hold up. Like I'm not finished with my junior year in high school yet. Like yeah. I haven't decided what I want to be when I grow up. It was, it was just like, well, I want, I felt this feeling. It was, again, it was a prayer thing for me. Prayer has been a big thing in my life. And when I was 16, I prayed and I was like, you know what? I feel this feeling that's pushing me towards going and auditioning for the show, reality TV show, American Idol. And when I was praying, I just said, to, I asked to God, I said, I know this is, a, I feel like this is a really stupid thing that I pray about, about going and audition for reality TV shows. But I feel like this feeling is coming from you. And I want to know if that's, real that's really the case is this feeling that i'm getting just excitement is it confusion or is am i feeling something pushing me towards 
like this bigger plan that's in my life that you want to see come about. And it was just this crazy, I don't get those kinds of experiences all the time when I pray. I, I, and prayer is a big part of my life, but this moment, it was just like so clear. And it was just kind of like God saying, my son, I know who you are. Go and audition. And I was like, whoa, okay. I wasn't expecting that. It was like, this presence came into my bedroom and like someone came and knelt down beside me and put their arm around me. It was just so real. And I think what was the biggest thing was like, wait a second, God, more surprising than go and audition for American Idol. It was like, God knows who I am. And the fact that he was willing to tell me that it was just a weird thing for me, but it was, is what I needed to get pushed past my fear, you know? So American Idol, and especially during that time in 2008, it was, it was like the highest amount of people watching it. There are times where there are over 30 million people watching each week, which I was like, what? Why? Why, why am me amidst all this going on and then just getting signed, you know, after the finale, getting signed to Sony Records, Jive, Sony and Jive Records, and having Crush come out, having an album come out, going on tour, going, doing these events and, and you know, these award shows and earning some surfboards from Teen Tourist Awards and things. And I was just, I think more than anything, the question instead of like, who am I? It was like, who do they think I am? Like, really? who do y'all think I am? Like, I'm a nobody. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I went and auditioned for this show to see what it was like. And now I'm here at these events and shows like, this is crazy. Like I didn't plan on this to happen. This wasn't like, this wasn't on my wish list. This wasn't on my vision board or anything like that. It was. And so I, I think that's why I kept asking like, why am I here? What, what do they expect of me? And I, I felt a lot of pressure. Cause I was just like, am I supposed to be cool now? Like I never figured out how to be cool. I never plan on trying to worry about being cool. So now what do I do? Cause now like people are like, so show us what you're wearing and let's get photo shoots. And people are paying to come to my meet and greets. And I'm like, I don't know what they're expecting of me. And I was feeling pretty stressed out because yeah, I was like, what do you want from me? I, so, but I, I just kept working. I kept singing. I had no idea what I was doing the majority of the time, but I just kept giving my best, even though I had no idea how to do that. I mean, the whole time during American Idol and from then on out after American Idol with my whole career, it's just been like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And a lot of my music I write is, I write about that. I write about saying, I have no idea what I'm doing and how I'm supposed to keep moving forward. And that's been every year. And here I am 12 years later and I'm like, okay, I'm still here. I'm still alive. I didn't think I was going to get anywhere. I thought, wow, American Idol. I had no idea that was going to happen. That was my peak. Mm -hmm. I'm done. There's nothing else I have to offer to this life. What am I supposed to do with myself? I peaked as a 17 year old. That wasn't my plan. Yeah. <laughs> I, wanted, yeah. I wanted to like achieve like my height of like prosperity. And when I was, I don't know, age 35, 40 and, I yeah, felt yeah. like I was a disappointment now because there's nowhere to go but down. Like I really was my thinking. It was never good enough. 
all this weird thinking, but here I am and I feel like I'm happy, even though I still don't know what I'm doing. I don't know <laughs> how to run a business. I don't know how to run a, a music career, but I think the chart like, might suggest differently though. I mean, well, you're still well, selling the, the charts may suggest something different though. You may feel that like what you, uh, last year, what was it two pretty much sold out tours? It was, it was close to selling out overall. I think it was like 85%. Yeah, like 85% or something. Which was great. They're not huge places I'm performing at, but the fact that 12 years later, I think in my head, I still think, oh, well, I'm a has-been. It's like, I, not that I'm telling myself that, but my mind keeps repeating yeah. it over and over. And I try to yeah. like swipe it off. I try to, yeah. you know, erase, clear, control, mm -hmm. delete, clear it all out. But um, it still comes back in my mind where it says, you're a has-been. You're nobody. You're, you, what can you do now? You're just going to fail like constantly. Like always I have these negative thoughts towards myself which which can weigh me down a lot and a lot of times it makes me give up sooner than i feel like i should and it makes me not take a lot of opportunities that i feel like i could have or i should have when people will be like hey i want to work with you uh just recently i had sent out a tweet to luis fonzi <laughs> who sings despacito because like nine or ten years ago we did this spanish we are the world together a bunch of Latin artists. My mom is from Honduras, Central America. And so I have the Latin roots. And so we did this and he came up to me and several other Latin artists came up to me. And but Luis Fonzi, I looked up to a lot even back then. He has such a signature voice in the Latin community. And he just said, hey, I would love to work together sometime. And I was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I was so scared. I never reached out to him. He gave me his info and I just never did. And that happened with several other artists. And I'm just kind of like, why do I do that? Why didn't I take a hold of it? Because I was scared. You know, okay, but is that an excuse? Because I was scared, like, you know, what does that mean? Like, because I was scared. It was just, I wish I wasn't as scared as I am a lot of the time in my life. And it frustrates me. But, uh, I feel like all I can do instead of look back and say, these are all the things that I missed out on. These are all the things I didn't do because I was too scared. And that's the story of my life. I'm just too scared to do things. I'm trying to be like, okay, in the moment I froze up, I was paralyzed. I couldn't even move. I didn't know what to do so many times. But after I, I keep trying to fight it. I keep trying to fight my tendency to freeze up from fear. Yeah. To be paralyzed by my own fear. I wrote a song about it and it came out last year. Actually, it was called paralyzed. Just my frustration of, Oh, why do I keep, why do I hold myself back? Why do I let my fear be my master of my life? But I'm working on it. I'm, I'm doing my best to fight, but it's a battle. It is a battle that I have to fight every day. Face my fears. Cause it is way easier to just hide from them. I think sometimes like for humans, like we, we get in that place and then, then that's what we're used to. And then when we're stepping out or we're wanting to step out of that, or like you said, you know, collaborating with some artists that you've looked up to your whole life, 
then that's the unknown and that's scary. And then it's just like, it's almost easier to go back into our fears. And instead of just like, you know, realizing like we have nothing to lose. And except when we do go back to our fears. So I, I get that it's, it's, it's tough, but I would venture to say with you mentioning like how much you fight your fears that there's an awful lot of courage about you as an individual, probably way more so than you, you're, would ever say, I mean, you're one of the most humble people I've ever met in my life. But I just remember when I read an article, um, cause I, I don't know. I used to watch American Idol back then. I was one of the fans. Uh, I had no idea who you were back then and this and that. I never thought, you know, we would become friends or anything, but I, I liked your music. And I remember exactly where I was sitting when I read an article and it had, uh, I don't know the words or whatever, but it was like, you know, David Archuleta is basically giving up his music career because he's going on a mission trip. And I was like, what? What? Wait, what? Why would he do that? Like, he's, no, I want the music. I, you know, what? And, and even a part of, of my understanding and comprehension at the time was like, why would he give up that cool life he has, you know, for, for something that I didn't understand or anything? And I think that takes a, a tremendous amount of bravery and courage for anyone to do that, to not know what you're going to come back to and just say, this is what I want to do. This is what I feel is right for me. And this is what I'm going to do regardless of what it makes me or, or what people think or uh, what happens to my career, which at that point in time is your career. You don't, you know. So what was the driver? I mean, I guess the better question, like, where did you find the courage to dive into that? Not knowing, you know, you're diving into something, you have no idea what your outcome is. Right. Well, um, like I mentioned before, prayer is like a huge thing when I have tough decisions or when I feel weight of whatever's about to happen next in my life, I usually turn to prayer. I get on my knees and I just start talking to God and just say like, Hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm wondering. And, you know, I, I mean, a lot of times I'm like, Hey, can you help me like know what I need to do here? What's, what's the answer? It's not like 99% of the time when I pray, it's not like how it was when I was 16 with American Idol. That was an unusual prayer where it was just kind of like, yes, go and do this. The clarity was there. Yeah. And that's not usually how it is. Mm -hmm. So when I went to go be a missionary for my church, you know, church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, it was harder. It was, it took like a year before I had that clarity and I was, you know, I grew up being pretty strong with my faith and keeping, trying to keep close to God. You know, my parents raised me with that, um, in my roots. It's kind of that while I didn't get the same clear, like, yes, answer, I had that same nudging feeling that I had about going and auditioning for American Idol where it was just like, no, I'm feeling, but nah, no, that can't, that's not, that doesn't make sense. Why, why would I do that? You know, kind of a feeling. Mm-hmm. And so just like I had that to go audition, I had that to go take a break from my career, and be a missionary. And I was just like, what, am I crazy? Am I insane? Like what is going on? Am I scared? Is this like my fear 
responding to not wanting to keep progressing in my career. Like I was asking myself that a lot because like a safe way out. Yeah. I was like, am I just overwhelmed? And so this is a way that I just want to escape. And I was, so I really wanted to make sure that I'm like, you know what is I want to, I want to understand why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. And I think that's why it took me about a year to figure out, you know what, I want to do this because I feel like once again, it's following that still small, but sure voice that God gives to guide us forward in our lives. And I told my parents, you know, here are my parents, they're the ones who raised me in this religion, right? And my dad, he was a missionary as well when he was younger. And my mom, she had been taught by missionaries. So it changed her life when they came to her when she was living in Honduras with her family. Um, And so I told them and I was like, hey, I told them each individually. I was like, mom and then my dad, like, hey, I'm thinking about going on a mission and taking a break from my career. And they both responded the same way. They're just like, why would you want to do that? And they're just, <laughs> I was like, I was, I was like, come on, you should be supportive of your son, right? Like you've always been like just, in, and you know, my, they brought up really good points. It's like, well, don't like, if you're trying to do what God wants you to do, if you're, if you want to serve God and be close to, Damn, like, didn't he give you music? Didn't he put you in the place that you are? Like, don't you feel like this is your mission? And I was like, oh, that's, I guess that's a good point. And I was so, I was, it made me wonder a lot. I was like, man, maybe I'm just crazy and I'm just, I'm not doing what I should be and I just need to focus. And I tried, but I just could not. I was not satisfied with that answer. I was like, yeah, music is a part of my mission, but I don't feel like it is my one mission. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I feel like I need this experience to go and be the missionary. And then like people be like, oh, you know, Donnie Osmond, he's from your church too. He didn't go and do that whole thing. Like he served with his music. That's how he fulfilled his purpose in his life and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point too. But after that, like, after like trying to like reason with that, I was like, but I'm not Donny Osmond. That's his life. I was like, I'm David. And for some reason, I feel like this is what David needs. This is going to fulfill David. And so when I finally went out, you know, I told my record label, I told my manager, I told my family and everyone, everyone thought like, okay, this kid's weird. Like this kid's lost it. And he's been brainwashed. He's, he's like going to become this weird religious kid and who knows what's going on. And so I was self-conscious about that too. I was like, man, I don't want people to think of me that way, but I know it was like, God was saying, okay, you trusted me before. And like, finally, when I got this clear moment, like a year into trying to figure out whether I should stop doing music and go on a mission or just keep going with my career, there's this moment I was in a hotel room in New York and I was there for the, the U S tennis open, the U S open. And I just like wrote the pros and cons down. If I quote pros and cons, if I stayed in my career 
And then I went with the pros and cons if I left and went on a mission. And I started with the cons. I'm like, this is why it would be a bad idea. This is why it would be a bad idea. The more I wrote down cons of going to be a missionary, I felt stronger and stronger and stronger. This is what I need. I need all of this. I need the cons and the pros. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I just felt God just say, you trusted me before. When I guided you to quit your first job, I was working a summer job when I went audition for American Idol. And I was like, well, what if I lose my job? And he was just kind of like, do you trust me? <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I had to make that decision, which was the hardest one for me to make was, do I trust him? Okay, I trust you. And so this time he was saying, you trusted me then, do you trust me this time? And man, I felt a little bit of that fear again, where I was like, do I trust? Do I trust enough to just take this leap into the dark and have no idea where I'm going to land? I feel like I'm going to land in like a hole in the ice that's just going to go down. <laughs> um, but I, I said, you know, yes, I trust you. And man, that changed my life in another whole different way. Because instead of being in front of 30 million people on TV and getting a career out of it, I went out when hardly anybody knew who I was, put my career on hold, uh, cleared the contracts that I had that I still had left to fulfill. And I was just like, what am I doing? But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I know what I'm doing. I'm following him. And I don't always see what he's going to do next with where he's taking me, but I've learned that I can trust him. Yeah. And so, man, it changed my life. It, it totally did because as a musician and as an artist, I was trying my best to prove to people I was cool, that I was important, that I was popular enough, that I sounded good, great, and that people loved me, you know, is. You know, you really rely on fans and fans are amazing people. They support you in what you do. Like they listen and, and um, that's a huge part. But I, I think in the entertainment industry, sometimes you become obsessed with what fans think of you. Do fans adore me? Do they love me? Do I have a lot of followers? Do I have a lot of attention? And it can kind of drive you nuts when you make your value and worth based on how obsessed or how well liked you are by other people. Mm -hmm. It can only give you so much. And I had hit kind of like this wall and the other people I worked with as well were hitting this wall, but we kept trying to say, but if we get even more famous or even more popular, then we'll be happy. It's like calmly trying to fill this empty yeah. space that wasn't there. And so like when I went to be a missionary in Chile, in South America, it was like, I found my missing piece by letting go of everything that people were telling me I needed to be happy, which is so interesting. Because one time we were doing this radio show in New York at Madison Square Garden, like this super well-known place, tons of people there. And I was going there, I sang my songs, people were singing along and had the signs. And someone I worked with backstage was like, look at all these people, they're screaming your name. They're saying they love you. This is what it's all about. It doesn't get any better than this. 
and it was super exciting. It was, it was, it was special. I still remember it, you know, as a moment, but at the same time in that moment, I was like, then why do I still feel like something's missing? And that was a really like turning point for me, which I think helped me realize I can't let go of the, the simple things, the small and simple things like praying, like, you know, being true to the simple things that I've always loved and the yeah. simple person that I've always tended to be and going and teaching other people how to pray as a missionary was awesome. I went and taught them, spent time with families and just people that are still my friends. I was talking to a bunch of them on FaceTime Sunday, uh, yeah. just catching up with them. And they're just saying, you know what? They're just like, we will always remember the time when you came here. And it's just, man, it, it really filled me up the way I needed to. And it's a different kind of fulfillment, maybe. It is. Do you feel like it took the both of them to, that's who makes David David today? Like, you're, you have your music and then you have your whole, because you're more of an introvert, are you not? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. which I think is, is insane based off of, like, everything you've built. I'm just like, that, that in itself, again, there's a lot of courage to go out there and do those things, both of them, as an introvert. Yeah. What do you consider yourself? Uh, I'm a little bit of both. I I have, um, you know, with this COVID thing, I would get depression of some sort at some point in time if I wasn't connecting, if I wasn't mm -hmm. connecting with people, uh, like not just via Zoom or some other way, but I mean, I need, I need people. I need, I, I get filled a lot by, by being around people. So, mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I'm okay with taking, you know, some time of being alone as well. So, right. That's an incredible story. I, I just, I love everything about the, what you said. I think we're, um, I'm not going to try to keep you, we're already 45 minutes almost. But I have, I wrote down a question or two that I wanted your input on. Like, if you were put on a world stage where everyone is watching and you had five minutes to make a difference or an impact, what would you say? About five minutes. You don't have to take five minutes now. I'm just saying, like, what's the first thing that you would say if you were on a world stage where everyone is watching with everything that's going on today and all the fear that's in the world, you know, with, with this COVID or everything else that people are dealing with, what would you say? You know, I probably, that's where I'd probably take it back to when I was a missionary. Like, even though I wasn't a, in my career, instead of like, talking to people a lot of times and like teaching them just by like speaking. Usually what I would do is I would just say, Hey, can I sing a song for you? And that's always been the beginning of everything I've done so yeah. far as I'd probably do that. I'd probably sing the song that I sang on my mission almost every day when that's the one that they played on the Titanic did you watch the Titanic? I did. Uh, it's way the, back. What, what's the song? The orchestra is playing Nearer My God to Thee. Okay, yeah. And I don't know. It's just... Uh, you played it the other Sunday, I think, I saw on your... You did like a live Facebook Live or something? Oh, I do. Um, while we've been in quarantine, each Sunday I do like a worship mm -hmm. song. 
And uh, for some reason, I was thinking you played that, or or I'm not sure. Maybe it was. Oh, you know, I did be still my soul. Okay, that may be my soul. I did, but I feel like that's what I would leave people with because I don't know. Like you could say stuff. I guess for me, I'm like I could say like because God's a huge part of me. Like that's why I do what I do. That's why I live my life. That's what gives my life like the purpose. Gives me the drive that I need just to connect with him and connect other people to him mm-hmm. so that we can just all, you know, after all of this is said and done with life that we can just be able to be back with him and be in his love and be in his arms and be with people we love, you know, but instead of like talking to people about that, I feel like music says things that I just can't say on my own. Yeah. So that's why I would leave people with that song. I sang it on the dirt roads. I mean, just even like last, I was doing a songwriting trip with my friends in the UK. I wrote a bunch of songs there on this album that I'm about to release. I wrote a bunch of them in the UK and we went out to like a, uh, uh, a brunch and the owner of the restaurant, the lady, she was just like, she's like, man, sorry, I'm just having a hard time. My, my mom's in the hospital. My mom's, uh, or is her mom or her dad was about to pass away. And she's like, I'm just having a hard time. And so my, I just felt, I was like, you know what? What if I, I was like, can I sing something for you? And so I sang, I sang near my God to thee for her. And uh, I don't know, I'll just always remember that. And she just was like, you know what? Thank you so much. And she just started talking to us. And my songwriter friend who lives in the UK, she kept in touch with her and I guess they passed away her her dad or her mom, one of her parents had passed away just like a few hours later. Really? But she, she had said, she's like, you know what? That was a really nice moment. And I don't know. It's like, I don't know what it says. It doesn't like give like the solution to problems or anything, but I feel like sometimes a song is all people need. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's, you find answers like in mysterious ways, just by listening to a song. And I feel like near my God, he was, probably wouldn't even need five minutes, you know, I'd probably just need two and a half minutes to sing it and and just let people know like, Hey, just remember, just remember him. And then he'll show you what to do next. Yeah. I like that. I could uh, do this for two hours, but um, (laughs) I I feel like I'm learning a lot. I'm going to leave you with one more question. Um, I know you're a busy guy too. If you could ask anyone in the world, any question, who would it be and what would the question be? Oh, man. I could ask anyone in the world. That's a tough question. Like living, dead or alive? or No, let's just go with both. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I think something that interests me would be, like, I don't know what it has to do with anything, but someone I'm intrigued by is Abraham Lincoln. He was such like a mild person. He seemed like he was like introverted as well. Like I know he dealt with a lot of depression that he wrote about mm-hmm. that how miserable he felt so much of his life, but that he still felt like he had a purpose to fulfill. And I would just love to ask him how he would describe what it was like to receive the guidance that he followed. Cause I feel like that's a big thing to, not just get guidance, but like, how do you notice when you're being guided to do something? And then 
how do you make the choice to follow it? Because when you get impressions like that, like promptings, it's not like you're reading a book and it says, do this. Sometimes you just get this divine inspiration on you. And it's just like, I just feel like this is what I need to do. And I just love to talk to him about that. Cause you know, him with the whole civil war yeah. and with slavery, abolishing slavery. And then how much he relied on faith as well. And on God with what he was doing. I'd, I'd love to just talk to him and ask, pick his brain on that. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people would probably say the same about you. I think it sounds like you have a, you have a tremendous sense of, of faith about you. I'll, I'll just tell you, every time I'm around you, I leave inspired. And, and I know, like, like I said before, you're one of the most humble guys I've ever met in my life. I just want to acknowledge you for like the steps that you've taken outside of your comfort zone that have inspired me as well as I'm sure hundreds and thousands of other people to follow their dream or follow their gut feeling or that to follow God when, when they feel like they don't know what they're doing. Every time I'm around you, I just leave it. I'm like, I wish I had the faith that guy does. So I, I think it's incredible. Um, man, a lot of times I, I don't know how much faith I've, <laughs> I really have, but I appreciate that. That's very kind of you, man. Yeah. Well, it, and, I mean, Hey, to start faith, I don't know exactly how to grow it other than just, I think just paying attention, just trying to say, okay, God, just so you know, I'm trying my best to listen. So if you have anything to say, let me know. And I'm going to pay attention to whatever you have to tell me and let me know. And, and I think what's hard about faith is faith is it's not just, okay, let me listen to the speech and then I'll get, and then I'll go with it. Faith is I'm hearing you call me over this way and I'm going to walk that way, which is a lot harder because you can't say, wait, hold up, hold up. Can you explain what's going on first? Like, I don't know if I feel comfortable going there yet. Yeah. And <laughs> he's like, you know, that's not how faith works. You want to know, you want to be sure. And that's not what faith is because faith isn't knowing. That's the whole thing about what faith is. It's about, it's like, it kind of leaves you on the edge of your seat a little bit, faith does. Which, for people who want to feel safe and comfortable, man, that's hard for someone like me because I, I like to feel safe and like, wait, I want to make sure this is going to be okay. And it's just kind of saying, okay, God, what do you have to say? What are you trying to tell me? And then you, you start moving, like you move forward as you're listening without knowing what you're getting yourself into. You know, I didn't know what I was getting myself into with American Idol. When I went to go audition and quit my summer job, at the, I was working at a park. <laughs> and, and, and then same thing when I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I was leaving my music that I'd built. I had a team that was working for me. I was like, man, is this really the right thing to do? But it's kind of the same thing. It's just... Yeah. I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but I'm just showing that I trust. I trust in you that it's going to work out. I'm listening. What do you have to say? So. Yeah. I think we could all learn from that. Just the, the more listening and less talking, maybe, you know, is less asking questions and just going for it. So, okay. So tell us a little, just a little bit about the song that you have coming out, David. 
Well, I've, I've got an album actually coming out and it's, it's May 20th and it's called therapy sessions, the album. And it's basically, I wrote it because I was actually going through therapy <laughs> just to um, try and figure out my own things. And it was super helpful. And part of my therapy I felt was making this album and it was real therapeutic. It's kind of fun because a lot of these songs, the first song I released earlier in 2020 was called okay. All right. And it was just kind of like how sometimes you just wake up on the wrong side of bed and you're not in a good mood. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get through today. And thing after thing, like traffic, getting road rage, getting upset about things and just feeling down. It doesn't happen for you, does it? Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, You're the most calm, cold, collected guy I know. Come on. No. Oh my goodness. It's because you haven't (laughs) been in a car with me from. (laughs) So I was, so it was just kind of fun to write about that. I was like, you know what? Oh, like, even though I get so frustrated or stressed or down about things that go on and wondering how I'm going to get through all of it. It's just like, you know what? It's fine. I'm fine. Okay. All right. And I kind of like started chanting that to myself. It's fine. I'm fine. Okay. All right. And that's what that song's about. And a lot of these songs are basically just the battle. They're like, they describe, there's a song called brave. It basically, what I love about it is because it's, it shows what it's a little bit like in my head, where it's just like all these thoughts, all these worries, all these fears, but I long so much to just have the courage to just go for it and to move and to not be stuck, to, to rise above my lack of motivation, to rise above my fear, fear of the unknown. So that's a song that means a lot to me. And a lot of these songs, they're just, they describe the battle in David's head from the fear and say, no, you're, you'll never, you'll never be good enough. You suck and things versus the, Hey, we can get through this. It's going to be all right. And there's still a lot ahead in life. So. And this releases May 20th. Is that correct? May 20th. Yeah. Okay. And so how can our viewers find you, whether it's just David Archuleta.com. Your- That's yep. David Archuleta with one T A R C H U L E T A. But they can also find me on, um, oh, that's how it is on Facebook, but on Instagram, uh, Twitter, it's David Archie. Okay. And you hang out most on one or the other? I hang out personally most on Instagram. Okay. So that's where I usually do my, you know, Instagram lives or posts. Awesome. A lot of my music covers. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, sharing inspiration today, David. Uh, I appreciate you having me. From this is great. Uh, we're over. Definitely have taken more of your time up than I asked for, so I'm gonna let you get back to uh, creating all the music. But um, thanks for coming on, and I'll see you soon. We'll have to catch up. All right, sounds good. Right. Have a good one, David. We'll see you. Thank you, friend. We'll see you. Thanks again for tuning in to the Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy, life gets busy, and we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up, but there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook, 
at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at EphraimGlick.com. See you next time.